What's up, everybody? Welcome on into the first ever, the first ever edition of the SE Scoops Pro Wrestling Podcast. It is so good to be here. I am SE Scoops Manager Editor Zach Haydorn. That is podcast and wrestling analyst extraordinaire Tyler Sage. Tyler, man, it is. It's been a while. It is good to be back. That's for sure. It is. I am. Uh, I'm pumped to 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 do this show and you know hit a ton of topics, dude. Welcome. Yes. Yeah, first of all, love the new imaging. It's the first time I saw it, along with everyone else here. So, you know, that's how I roll. Zach knows that all too well, probably, <laughs> that I am uh, I'm all vibes all the time. Planning is secondary. Absolutely. So um, it's good to see Zach here in the chat. I did my hair just for him. So I got my Dom <laughs> haircut going today. So hopefully he'll appreciate that. I see his on. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's good to be here. It's good to, you know, see some hopefully some old faces, but also some new faces and and uh, here on uh, on scoops, I, I was gonna have a couple scoops in my hands, like a oops, all raisins <laughs> kind of raisin bread thing. So uh, I'll, 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 I'll left my gimmicks in the other room, so we'll go from there. But yeah, very excited. Well, we haven't talked any MJF really and Adam Cole stuff a little bit, like very little collision. It's like yeah, you know, like three weeks off, and it's maybe a little longer than that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot going on in wrestling, and very excited to see you again via the internet and uh, talk about wrestling. We got, yes, me too. We got a ton to get to. And yeah, we're here. We're here. The SC Scoops Pro Wrestling Podcast. We are up on YouTube live every Tuesday night, 9 Eastern. And you can catch us um, on uh, the SC Scoops podcast feed the next morning. If you miss us on YouTube or you're anti-YouTube and you're just like, hey, give me the podcast in the morning. It will be there for you. Um, We will be posting everywhere with how you can subscribe um, and how you can like the channel and do all of those things. So please help us out and, and do that. Subscribe to the channel here. Subscribe to the podcast. It helps us out a, a great deal. Um, hello to everybody that's in our chat right now. Chris and Zach and Azan and Tracy, welcome. Uh, our fearless leader, Mike, is in there as well. What's up, Mike? Um We've got a lot to get to, and um, the comments section is always open for us. You guys know that if you've been following our show for a while. We uh, love your input. Um, if you're willing and able, the Super Chat is activated, so you can uh, help out the show and drop us some coin and uh, get some extra extra important topics in, or if you want to jump the line to the top, uh, go ahead and do that. We certainly would appreciate it, and it would help uh, It would help the show go as, uh, as we launch here um, every single Tuesday night. Um, but... Man, look, enough of the pleasantries. People certainly aren't tuning in necessarily to hear that. Let's jump right in to some AEW-centric topics. We'll start there. We got Dynamite tomorrow night coming off the heels of a pretty big um, AEW collision on Saturday. Um, But to me, look, the number one story right now in AEW. Well, two. One of them is kind of outside the ring with 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 collision, how that does on a weekly basis, the differences in the show. We'll get to that. Um mm-hmm. but do we have a world title program right now, man, that is buddy buddy at best. We've got MJF, we've got Adam Cole, BFFs, and they're entertaining. I, I think it's impossible to argue against the fact that they are an entertaining duo together. My question for you and where I want to start the show today is, is, are they entertaining in a way that they should be for this being kind of a major world title feud that presumably is going to come to a head in front of 70,000 people inside of Wembley stadium, I would imagine. 
And here we are a few weeks out. And these guys are, are buddy, buddy. And, and there's comedy all around and you've got the, to me, you've got the audience kind of you know, yucking it up, chuckling and eye roll. If, uh, if when MJF turns and I just, I, question whether or not that's the tone you want to have for the main event program going into without question the biggest show in the company's history so i'm gonna set the table with that and i'm gonna hand it over to you go ahead yeah i mean you know it's if you look at like week one of the vignettes where that was was that the gym workout was that the first vignette we saw of them if i have my dates correct and then it was like the mjf you know having sex with four women in a bathroom, I think was the next one uh, at the bar in the middle of the day. So that was quite something. Um, So that's kind of the, those have been less successful, Um, but in the ring, I mean, it's hard to deny that three or four weeks in a row, the live crowd has eaten up this group and they are over, right? It's kind of like the anti acclaimed, Um, you know, it's, it's like good overness for, 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 for being faced. One of the chat had it here. Um, But you know, it, all this is, you know, I'm tepid in saying this is, this is good. This is good for AW. This is good for MJF. This is good for the world title. This is good for Adam Cole. Cause my instinct is this is all bad to at best neutral from where it's all going, especially if you're going to have this come to a head potentially at all in. And then you got to go a week later and have a new opponent for, you know, most, most likely MJF, right? I mean, I think we're all just to put it out there, right? We're all thinking MJF Cole is the main event at all in MJF has turned on Cole at some point and mm-hmm. eats Cole and then punk beats him the next week at, um, at all out. So, you know, if that is the way this goes, I'm going to be a, you know, a thumbs down on this story. It's been a fun little ride and it might be like a fun footnote in history, but I think, if there's any sort of diversion from that track as, you know, if you do the the turn that you're not expecting, you do Adam Cole turns on MJF and you do the reverse of the adage of, you know, when you're, uh, you know, as over as possible as a heel, that's when you turn on baby face, you know, circuit the rock in the late nineties, et cetera. Mm-hmm. If you do that first and you take MJF at his absolute peak of healness and make him now continue him as a baby face, because, I mean, I think there's no arguing that he's the one that's getting more over in these matches than Adam Cole is, right? He's leading the chance. He's leading the double clothesline thing when that happens. Um, so if they were to do something like that and, and kind of subvert my expectations, I think it could be a win where you have Cole be the, the guy who turned on his friend that, he, you know, he thought he made and MJF goes as the baby face. And that's an easier way to, to see what happens. Um, but you know, I think it's going to be the first thing, but I think if, if if anything diverts whatsoever, it was probably worth it to just surprise all of us. Cause if Adam Cole ends up turning, you know, if they win the belts and he turns on MJF and is the, you know, heel that he was at his peak in NXT and MJF can be the super baby face that he's obviously shown a couple of times here, right? First in Long Island. Then when he, you know, first won the title and there was that very strange period where me and you were very much complaining about him getting, Cheers a face and leaning into it. So, yeah. But if you can, if you back and forth, where this is the third time now MJF's gotten cheered for absolutely no reason, and he goes back to being the ultimate heel. I just don't think it. It you know we're not on big show territory from the mid teens, but it is certainly in a space where I don't think it is healthy for his character, especially if Cole is an idiot and gets duped by him and then gets beat by him too. I just don't think that helps MJF or Cole. So. Unless there is something that is not, you know, subverting my expectations here, 
I think it's a disaster <laughs> for both these characters in the belt. But if, if anything changes whatsoever, I think it could be a surprise and we'll be, uh, um, yeah, I think we'll be looking at this with, with uh, positive views, you know, six months from now. We've got a really interesting super chat that I'm going to get to in a second, but I want to comment on <laughs> your, uh, on that point. And I, I, if, if, if AEW is going to do something creative here like that, or, or even something outside the box, like I'll get to in a minute, mm-hmm. I'm I'm in on this. I, I'm I'm in on you know kind of living it up right now while it's fun to watch MJF and Adam Cole do this thing. They're re- undoubtedly getting strong reactions. So if they go down the creative path here and Cole turns or you know somehow you come out of this with something that I'm kind of sitting there sitting back going, huh. I, I wasn't expecting that. I'm in. The problem is, I. it's almost like it's frustrating to watch the tone of the audiences making this duo as over as they are. That's that's my, like, kind of, I think, unpopular opinion in that when I watch this, I'm not watching it and going, man, it is so cool to see MJF finally find a friend in Adam Cole and man, he's finally turned this corner and man, I'm so into him being this good guy with Adam Cole. It's it. That's not the tone. You know, the tone for me is, Oh man, they're putting on this act. They're putting on this act to like, that's pretty fun to watch. And eventually MJF's going to turn and everyone's just going to go, Oh, <laughs> MJF. And you're so you're, you got us again, MJF. And like, to me, that's too laid back. That's just too, laid back of a of an angle so like, there's ways around that if we see mjf just ruthlessly just beat um it's ruthlessly beat up adam cole and you can somehow you know pivot that into something a lot more serious okay i'm here for it my worry is that it's just it's too haha that nobody's taking it seriously so that when the turn does come whether it's cole or mjf it's not going to have like foundation of seriousness that that I think it needs to be on this world title level. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I want to see what they do. My, you know, all indications point to MJF not wanting to be a babyface, which means this ends exactly how we think it's going to end, and that spells a lot of problems unless it's done in in a certain creative way. I mean, you can't have Adam Cole like come out of this going, Oh my God, I, I can't believe MJF turned on me. Like I didn't see that coming. Like he can't be that guy if he's going to, yeah. you know, main event, uh, you know, all in in front of 70,000 people. So they got to be really careful with this. And so as fun as it is, I, I think as an audience and I think Tony Khan reading that audience has to figure out what he wants as the end game and, and get there regardless of kind of like the ha ha that's going on, on, on a regular basis. Cause I mean, it could, I mean, it could spell disaster for Adam Cole. I mean, it really could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, we're thinking along the same line of like, you know, just one little change. And I think we're both willing to be like, okay, this is a good story in the end. Um, but you know, the worst case scenario for me, and I think you would agree based on your previous line there is, um, is is Roderick Strong has been lightly a part of this, and if he like turns on Cole for MJF, I, th- I don't know if that's what you're going to get to when you when you kind of tease that earlier. 
But it's just like that is the absolute like if I'm if I'm the Tony Khan type person running a company and that's an idea given to me, I'm like, yeah, obviously that's the that's what everyone thinks is going to happen. We got to do something other than that. And and you just got to have it all mean something a little bit more than, you know, why am I it, it puts you in that spot where we were. And I'm not saying this exactly, but I'm saying with this story, it puts me kind of where I felt WWE was during the you know beginning of the pandemic which was just like, why am I even watching this product? Because I know where every single story is going. Nothing is, you know, doing anything new and extraordinary. And if it's, you know, not that you need to, like Raw on Monday, I know we're not talking about Raw, but that didn't do anything to rewrite how to book pro wrestling, but it was a solid show top to bottom and it got you set up for a pay-per-view coming up. So there's ways to do it. It just, yeah, it's, it's everything you're saying. It's a combination of, and this is kind of where I've been for a while now, if anyone's been watching you and I for a long time is that it just feels like the lack of um, institutional control from Tony Khan and his top talent. This seems to be that rearing its ugly head again of MJF and Cole probably like each other. They like to have fun on TV. And this is like a fun interlude for them in the summer months where you're, you know, you're in between forbidden door. So there's not a major show every week. Like there's going to be in the fall with all in all out. And then the Arthur Ashe show. Um, and then a, and then a pay-per-view in November. So that's kind of like time to go in AEW. And this feels like a kind of fun little off-season for everybody that doesn't isn't going to amount to much. And as, a, as someone who watches now, you know, four hours of content a week, um, I, I would like my time respected a little bit more than that, if that is the case. Let's get to our uh, super chat here from Michael. Yes. Michael, thank you very much. And uh, he drops in with a, a very generous uh, donation. We appreciate that. Michael and the super chats are open for anybody who wants to help out the show. Jump the line here for comments. We certainly would appreciate it, and we thank you in advance. But jumps in and says, "Look, Darby Allen should be the next AEW champion, and he gives a reason. Even if he's a transitional champion, he'd be a made man, can plausibly beat MJF, and eventually somebody like Brian Danielson can take the belt off of him." Darby Allen, I think, is a fascinating figure to talk about in relation to the world title concerning mjf why because of that that darn headlock takeover like Mm -hmm. they have a story there that is on a silver platter to just deliver to somebody at any given time of darby allen beating mjf i mean they've done the pillars thing they've had some really good matches with one another i love how the gimmicks and the characters just clash you know between those two i mean they're, they're polar opposite in a way that like I hate to compare it to like Rock Austin, but like in that vein where it's just totally two different characters on the opposite ends of the spectrum um, colliding head on. And so I I think that's an interesting one-on-one feud to have at some point. I I mean, could it happen? Yes. I don't think that they're on that that path, but just, just with, with CM Punk kind of hovering around the title and Adam Cole hovering around the title – I don't know that MJF is going to last long enough to to drop it to Darby Allen, and uh, so interesting, interesting idea, Michael. I don't, I, I can't say that I see it happening, but there certainly is an avenue to tell that story if if they want, based on you know seeds that have been planted since AEW in, in AEW day one. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly even if you look at this past Saturday, right? CM Punk is getting booed, you know, to oblivion. I, where where were they at? Do you remember where they were off the top of your head? I, they were in Newark, I think. Newark, New Jersey. Oh yeah, because he's talking about the Devils. 
uh, yeah, some at one point. So I think like, it was in like, Newark. I want to say. Um, so you know, I'm sure it was planned all along, but you have to. You obviously know that Tony Khan has faith in it, Darby Allen to be that babyface that's not going to get booed under any circumstance because he went out there and was like, "My best buddy, see him, hear him along oh with God. me." You know, I was like, "Man, I was like, you know, I like Darby." But that just told me that Tony Khan is like, okay, this is my Darby security blanket. I need someone to be a baby face. I need Darby out there with him and we'll be good to go. Um, oh, and, man. you know, for the most part, it worked. I think for anyone on the roster, um, he's, he's definitely a high candidate for that. So that tells me, yes, that Darby is potentially in that category. And let's say, you know, a lot would have to happen. But, you know, if there's some sort of sting retirement situation at all in, and maybe, you know, if, if CM Punk had turned and you kind of that was the seed there and there's some some tag team match where he if he loses, he whatever, you know, that's one thing. And then Punk defeating MJF and then Darby being someone that could be him down the line makes sense. Or if MJF could somehow survive a Cole and CM Punk combo and retain the title, Darby makes a lot of sense there. So is it the is he the most likely next champion to me within AEW? I don't think so. But down the line from you know just his upward growth him and orange cassidy i think have been the highest risers in you know from mid card to top of the card if you look at over the course of the last 12 months within AEW of someone who you'd be like oh maybe i can actually see that versus anyone else on the roster i think it's both of them so i think that's not totally out of their own possibility yeah is it he's an interesting character man i mean i think that like Mm -hmm. he's a guy that you it probably is a tr- transitional world champion. I mean, I that's probably like his ceiling in in AEW, and it's not. A, it's totally not a knock. That's just. I mean, it just totally. It's it's not. I just. I I don't think Darby's the guy that goes on a year long, you know, title run, you know, with the belt. But it is. I do think he's somebody that can. You know, that can be like a babyface champion, you know, for a little while when you need him. Kind of like, kind of like Johnny Gargano was in NXT, where he, you know, he climbed that mountain finally, he got there, didn't spend too much time at the top, but did what he had to do, got the title, and then, you know, and then moved on to other things. Because his role isn't really carrying the title, but it's, it's the journey to, to whatever he's doing. And I, I think there's, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, that there's an avenue to that for, for Darby Allen. Um, thanks, Michael. Really appreciate it. Once again, guys, Super Chats are open. Helps us out a lot. Uh, we certainly would appreciate it. Um, back to MJF and Adam Cole. So this Saturday on AW Collision, Cole and MJF team up against FTR, for, and they challenge for the AW World Tag Team titles. They won the Blind Eliminator Tournament. Uh, there's... Seeds of dissension because Adam Cole, how dare he look at the world title um, whilst MJF is around? Um, are, are you expecting a ter- the 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 angle to go down Saturday night? Is that enough time? You know, does it have to happen then so that you can tell a good three four weeks story ahead of uh, uh, ahead of All In, or is this? Are, are you going to see them actually like? you know, lose straight up or are you predicting they're going to win? I mean, what, what, what needs to happen on Saturday night to get, to get this thing where it needs to go? Yeah. I, you know, obviously the most down the middle thing that I think this feud is going to go is, is for them to lose on Saturday and then the turn to happen there, you know, with Roddy probably coming in and maybe attacking Cole 
um, whatever, you know, what, why would MJF not want to be the world champion of both, you know, the, the tag champion and the world champion? I don't know. So it could be some sort of him working as a Asian of his own um, or MJF puts together another kind of middling, a mid, if you will, uh, stable. Uh, <laughs> You've been planning that for weeks, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's why I messed it up there on the, on the delivery. Um, <laughs> it's got I need to get my fast. Yeah. I need to get my fastball back. It's been a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, they... um, but uh you know, that's what I would think happen would happen. But you know, any sort of deviation from that I think would be totally interesting, especially them winning. Um, and then there still being an issue between the two of them would be, you know, even better. Like you could have the turn happen where they also win. You know, what is the end result there? It gets a little muddy, but if they have to work twice on a show like All In, like if they have to defend the titles to FTR and they drop them and then have a tag match at you know, if that's the opening match and then the main event is those two going after each other somehow. I don't know how you square that circle, but that would be super interesting to me because, you know, it would just be an added level of excitement and see both of them on the show. You could do a quick match as a tag match. They're both in top physical form, MJF especially, to to kind of put that on. And you don't have to go 35 minutes on that main event. So, but, you know, I would say MJF turning on Cole through Roddy in some way, shape, or form, MJF, or FDR retaining, and then that being set up. Because three weeks is minus the Danielson story for the world title. That's a pretty long story within AEW. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that's if they just added, added someone the week. I did, did a pack in Orange Cassidy and Kenny Omega, a triple threat match um, that was, I think, created on the Dynamite before that pay-per-view. So um, that's what I would do. But, you know, again, I hope that there's going to be something a little more interesting. Collision has pleasantly surprised maybe not from storytelling standpoint not that it's been bad but from a really good wrestling standpoint so i expect them to get a ton of time and have it be an awesome match and then we'll see about the angle but collision in general has delivered in the last couple weeks for me so i hope it stands up with that but what about you what do you think see man you know i i mean i i'm in the camp of like they can't they cannot win this match it would be fun to see them win i don't want to be the party pooper of the group i really don't however it's just the FTR factor is what it's what it is for me. If this was like the acclaim there, or if it was, I don't know, Swerve and Keith Lee that were the tag champions, like okay, maybe not. But I mean, to put these guys over over FTR just to then turn them down the road, what a week or so later, or maybe even as you're mentioning, like hours later, I don't think you do that with the top with the top tag team, maybe in, in the whole world. Like I, I think you need to, you've got to be more protective of your, your tag division than that. So I absolutely think that FTR is going to win this. Um, not necessarily straight up, but they're, they're, they're going to retain the titles. And I, I think you're right. Like, I think, I think it's going to be exactly what everybody thinks it's going to be. And I worry as to what the reaction to all that will be given what, you know, given what they've done so far. Um, again, I'm maybe I'm thinking too broadly here, but I, I just I can't I can't picture a stadium full of people in in London, you know, like frothing at the mouth for MJF versus Adam Cole at this at this point in time. Like, I, and I don't know that a Roddy turn is 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 going to do it either. Um, I, I really need to see that play out in order to get there, but I, I think that's where that's where we're going. So if I'm if I'm AW and I'm Tony Khan and that's the plan, I'm going all in on 
on that plan. I mean, and I'm talking like the vicious of all viciousness from MJF and and uh, and Roderick Strong. Like you need to walk out of that angle where you're worried for the well-being of of Adam Cole because I, I you gotta like that has to be the time where you inject the feud with seriousness uh, again. It can't just be oh man they took away our comedy like that. It can't just be that. It has to be established on something more concrete and more serious than that. And so I think they can get there. I mean, MJF can can play that part. He can be like he can be that guy when when he needs to. And so they, they need the time to do it. They need the, the the audience to to play along with it. They need Adam Cole to sell it really, really well. Um, and so the pieces I think are there. It's gonna be how they, you know, how they how they put them together. I think that that whether it's a uh, we saw it coming or wow this is this is this is really really good stuff I think that there's a it's a fine line there but if they play their cards right they can they can walk it uh, effectively um you mentioned collision and we mm-hmm. haven't we haven't talked about collision we haven't been on the air uh, for a while so let's take a minute to, to talk about that now I mean how how are you feeling about the two extra hours of the AEW product and is collision different enough from dynamite where it's worth your while to spend time with collision and you don't feel like you're just watching a four hour episode of Dynamite. Yeah, certainly different. I think the time away, I mean, it's, it's similar. What's what's Thursday. It's, you know, three days apart, you know, I'm not watching rampage on a regular basis. Just reading a report on it. I think, I think that's clear. It has been clear. I like to always make sure people know, unless there's something, you know, like that one episode before Forbidden Door, that was that was a loaded episode. So, you know, if it intrigues me, that's there. But, um, yeah, Collision has been, I mean, especially two weeks ago, the, what, 58-minute tag match? Yeah, between, oh, that was between the, the, I mean, that's probably, you know, one of the best matches you're going to see on TV, period. Um, and AW's had a lot of really good matches on TV, um, but, you know, it wasn't a gimmick match and not that I didn't like Blood and Guts, but to have like a long match on TV that's not a gimmick um, is is pretty incredible. The protection of Jay White, I thought was fantastic. I know we're kind of going back a couple of weeks, but it's kind of what you and I called for from the beginning. It, it kind of was mm-hmm. the like, welcome to AEW and this guy's a big star. So it's, yep. it's interesting. Like, I'd love to know the inner workings of what's going on there. Is it just literally Tony Khan wanting to do kind of the Cody Rhodes style? television show because it really feels like this is like what Cody Rhodes wanted out of AEW and dynamite <laughs> is kind of the dynamite that it's always been, which so those feeling a lot different is good. It's, you know, like raw and SmackDown, but not the styles, you know, you're going to see two minute matches and you're not going to get a match until the 38 minute mark of an hour still in WWE, whether you're watching raw or SmackDown, but that's got, you know, you got bloodline on Fridays and you've got Seth and now judgment day on Mondays, kind of leading the show and they feel different from the different personalities there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it just feels like a, you know, old school 605 on TBS Superstation wrestling show that, you know, I think most people watching it, if you're AW, at least that you want to, didn't really watch it when it was that, when wrestling was that. It's it's more the nostalgia, the fake nostalgia of, of the past and things were always better. You know, like people in the night, you know, your parents in the night saying the 50s were better grandparents. And uh, really, when you look back, it wasn't that great. So it's one of those things of like hitting the good parts of the nostalgia and the show being definitely way more focused on matches, longer matches, you know, four or five matches as opposed to six and squeezing them in there. 
I think it's it's been around punk, you know, but it's not been the punk show, if that makes sense. Like he's that you know you're gonna see him every week, but with his kind of mixed results right now and being fine in the ring, it's been more the FTR show, the Ricky Stark show. And you know, it's it's kind of been lived up to that promise of extra time getting more people involved. And you know, the only thing I would say right now that is disjointed just because Kevin Kelly had to go to the G1. I'm curious what you think on this with the announcers, but I like Ian Riccoboni a lot. I, I was a big, you know, you can see my handle below Ring of Tyler. <laughs> I broke into the business covering Ring of Honor and, uh, you know, the 2017, 2018 when the elite were still there. And I've always appreciated Ian Riccoboni as an announcer, but I don't think he meshes well at all with um, Nigel. I think the past couple of weeks on commentary, he's um, probably been uh, at 11. He probably needs to be down to nine. So I'm curious your thoughts yeah. there. But I like the show overall besides the announcing the last couple of weeks. I like the show. I mean, I like the show a lot. I, I – I mean, it's 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 an easy watch, you know. It's an easy watch. I think I like my pro wrestling to breathe a little bit, to have time to kind of marinate and and just. I I like being able to sit back and go, okay, like that affected me X way, you know, whatever. I don't want to be too over dramatic about it, but I like there would be time to react to things and have those reactions, you know, stick around for a bit. You don't, you just don't always get that on Dynamite, and it seems like at this point. That's by design. You know, they want that to be rapid fire, boom, 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 mid event, we're out type type show. This is a little more slowly paced. Um, you know, the talent on this show is strong. You know, I think you're seeing FTR get a lot of time. You're seeing Ricky Starks, obviously CM Punk get time, Miro um, get time. The 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 question that like I have while watching this show from not not from like a enjoying the Am I enjoying this show point of view? But it's like you've got major, like big talent on this AW Collision show that that less than half of, or not less than half, but but about half of your audience is seen on a regular basis. You know, like, and it, it just begs the question of like, you know, the, the AW Dynamite audience, that million people are not seen CM Punk on a regular basis. And, you know, the biggest feud that they have going on AW Collision is CM Punk against Ricky Starks right now. And, you know, when you get to pay-per-view, like, what is that? Where is that on the card? You know what I'm saying? Like, you have, it's your biggest star that you have in the company. Um, and what, he's going to be just, he's he's a mid-card guy because he's stuck to Collision only? That I think you're if you're Tony Khan, you want to try to figure out a way to to get you know punk in front of the most eyeballs that you can. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of ways because if you want AW collision to be something, you need to put some somebody or something on that show that people have to go to that show for. So I get it in some in some ways, but you look at all in that's coming up. Presumably, they're building towards Ricky Starks against CM Punk at at All In. I would I would I would guess at this point. And it's like when you put all the pieces of that show together, like I don't know that that program is going to be, you know, hot enough to be like a co-main event of of that of that show. Maybe it will be. You know, there's still four three four weeks to go. But it'll be interesting to see how um, Tony Khan kind of navigates those waters 
um, with All In and All Out being the first pay-per-views that are on the docket with this kind of collision universe. So I think it's 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 something to watch. Um, as far as like the announced team, I, I completely agree. 100% agree. I, I like Ian Riccoboni a lot. Um, I don't think he compliments Nigel well. It's, you know, I think that um, Kevin Kelly brings like that kind of even keel, not boring, but just like he is a foundation for the announced team to like build on just a lot like Excalibur is on AW dynamite. Like it, like the tone and the tenor and the pace goes as he goes. And I think Riccoboni, you know, he has a little bit more of an excitement to him. I think he wants to, um, God, this is going to sound bad, but he wants to like kind of play that Ian Riccoboni character, you know, while he's announcing um, that I just don't think serves the show as as a duo with Nigel McGuinness at this point. Like, I think if you had Kevin Kelly and Ian Riccoboni, okay, you might be able to kind of like, I don't know how that would work, but at least they're not, they're different personalities. Um, and it seems like Riccoboni is just kind of in a spot that, that doesn't quite fit for as much as I do like him as an announcer. I think mm-hmm. you're, you're right on point, but, but man, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fun show to watch to kind of see not only good wrestling, but, what they're doing differently. Like I've noticed the last couple of weeks, they're not playing music for wrestler interruptions when they're coming out. Like when CM Punk is coming out to like interrupt Ricky Starks, he's not coming out to his music. He's just walking mm-hmm. out there. I think FTR did that at one point too. Like that's a fun little nuance that I like tracking that I like to follow it and go, Hey, that's different. That's like a conscious, that's a conscious decision to do something differently than most wrestling shows out there, period, but also AW Dynamite. So I, I kind of give the whole experiment, you know, a thumbs up. And I, I, I think, you know, we don't, I don't know at this point, I don't think there's been any reporting done as to what, um, you know, what Warner is expecting as far as mm-hmm. ratings go. But, you know, they've had a couple weeks in a row where there's been more viewership at the end than at the beginning. That's a strong sign. You know, they haven't completely like fallen off um, like falling off a cliff, you know, a la rampage. That's, I don't know. I mean, it's a low bar to clear, but I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not bad. So, I mean, I think, you know, so far so good on, on, on that front. And, you know, the talent mix I think is working uh, too. So I, mm-hmm. I rambled on and you take it away. I'm going to. Well, yeah. It, it was number one this past week, right? It was number one mm-hmm. on cable. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're, who's going to, you know. who's going to say no to that? Like, yeah, so I'm sure Warner's loving that. Um, you know, if it's even 500,000 people more watching, or 100,000, 200,000 more than were watching, you know, a rerun of a movie that they own that they show for free, it's fine. But they weren't even rating in the key demo whatsoever. So, you know, if they can sell more ads, that's all they care about, and keeps them gives them leverage against the NBA and NHL. If they rip those deals and they hey, we have this thing that does well, and especially with the NHL, if that ever comes up. <laughs> or when that comes up, be like, hey, this wrestling thing Ray outreach you uh, on simulcast on a sister station. So, you know, here we go. So, but um, yeah, then one more thing on Ian, because, you know, again, as we've said many times, we both like him, but for a long time, he was announcing arenas with, I mean, I don't know if anyone's been to an ROH show, you know, pre 2020 and after 2020, you know, if you had a thousand people in there, it was a hell of a night. So, um, you know, when you want to, when you're watching and you want to really pump up that crowd of 300 people watching a show, you kind of need the announcer to really give it his all. And I think just 
throttling down a little bit when you have, you know, I guess some of these collisions in, in Canada, you could say are on par with Ring of Honor shows, but um, from attendance standpoints, but, you know, when you're in a big state, uh, you know, a NBA, NHL stadium, you can kind of tone it down, I think would be a good call there. But yeah, I liked it a lot as well um, to put a bow on it. And it's felt not as, you know, not that I was apocalyptic about it, but just from was it really needed to have the four hours of content? I would say as of right now, it has um, it has been a positive for the company from for me as a viewer and obviously from a financial standpoint, too, and more time for wrestlers, all that good stuff. So the pros really outweigh the cons at this point for me. Yeah. Um, this week on Dynamite. It, it could be a bloodbath from a ratings perspective. I mean, they've got um, – we're going to hear from MJF and Adam Cole, John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli against the Lucha Bros and Best Friends, Darby Allen against Swerve Strickland, Dr. Britt Baker against Taya Valkyrie, Orange Cassidy in a title defense against A.R. Fox. That guy just keeps getting title title, title opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then Pac against, uh, against Gravity. Nothing standing out very much on, on that show tomorrow night. Um, you know, from my perspective, you're not going to have gangbuster shows every single week. Um, this seems to me like it's going to be one of those one of those quieter quieter weeks uh, when they have one of the biggest matches of the week, obviously taking place on on AW Collision. This is where having the two shows causes some potential, you know feedback from a ratings perspective because normally you'd load up that you know you take the big matches that are gonna happen on collision put them on Mm -hmm. dynamite and now you have you know instantly you know a strong show there they're diversifying a bit here they're waiting a show before they do ftr against cole and and mjf and and you get a card like that when when something like that happens so i i don't think it's a bad thing but i think you know this this show is not going to pull in you know nine hundred thousand viewers i i would i would take the under on that I would as well, you know, and again, on the, you know, Tony Khan anomics or Tony Khan philosophy studies, whatever you want to do there, which, you know, I love to do is uh, the security blanket of Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen on the same show kind of tells you that the card is a little lacking as well, where, you know, you can, you know, I don't the main event might be Claudio and, and Moxley. Um, yeah. What? It's a triple threat. It's a triple threat tag match. Triple threat. Yeah. Best friends. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's triple that tag match should probably never close any show ever. Um, but you know, you could open with Orange Cassidy and close with Swerve and and Darby, and I think that is a perfectly good wrestling show. That if you're the core seven hundred thousand people watching Dynamite week in week out, you're perfectly okay with that. But you're not growing it, so yeah, that that's a thing there. And you're choosing, hey, of these four hours, there's probably an hour on Dynamite. In an hour on collision, they combine into one show. That would be the best right. absolute product you can make for AEW. But you know, it is what it is. And I think we're kind of, you know, now we're what five, six weeks into collision, and the watering down of dynamite feels a little more acceptable to me as a viewer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it certainly it is that. So yeah, yeah. Well said. Um, all right. Um, thanks for everybody who's uh participating in the chat. Hello once again to Zach and Azan and um, everybody else who's joining us live. Hello to our podcast listeners. Thank you very much for hitting download and subscribing to the podcast. We very much appreciate it. Um, let's pivot and let's uh, let's go into WWE land. We are 
about 10 days out from uh, SummerSlam, WWE's uh, second biggest show of the year. And we lots of developments on that show um, mm-hmm. yesterday, Monday night. Uh, on, on Raw, we had Logan Paul and Ricochet become official. We had Drew McIntyre and Gunther become official. Um, Rhea Ripley is destroying everybody in her path. Um, Seth Rollins and Finn Balor have signed the contract for a rematch there. Um, it's shaping up to be a very, very nice card. And I want to, st- and Cody and Brock Lesnar too. But mm-hmm. so we're going to leave the bloodline for a minute. We're going to leave Cody and Brock for a minute. Um, and I want to go to Judgment Day because mm-hmm. Judgment Day was a faction that I was all over in analysis and writing and podcasting when they first kind of debuted. Um, It was a mess. And now you have those guys all over Monday Night Raw. And not only that, they're also on NXT and they're going to be in three, you know, major, not, not, they all have a significant presence on the second biggest show of the year. Um, WWE's using that group and that faction to to kind of you know push content along on Monday nights. What have you thought of them and 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 you know what what do you what are your expectations for either how it ends or how they should keep going to kind of keep that act hot for for that show on Monday nights? Yeah, I mean could a first could could not agree more at the disaster at the beginning, especially when Edge was was running it. Oh man, what a um, brutal, just, just brutal. Yeah, just you know, was not good. So it definitely would have been uh, a heavy underdog to be a group that you care about in July of 2023 when they debuted as a group. And I, I try I I think of them as like, you know, four parts equals the unit, right? And when they all started, I mean, like, let's say, you know, once they turn and Finn Balor takes over the group. So you got him and Priest and Dom and and Rhea, and Rhea. Like, oh man, which one of them was the most over when that point happened? Was it Rhea? As like she was still like kind of coming like off that bad, not bad. I mean, it was you know her and Drew. I think suffered the most from the the you know the the Thunderdome era of WWE of of yeah. kind of just faltering there. And I mean, I I guess Dom was the most over because he had just turned. If you like really look at it from like getting the most reactions and to now see like all of them in their own way and using each other as well to yeah. kind of climb up that ladder and they're all on an upward trajectory. I'd say Finn kind of plateauing the most out of the group because it feels like Dom and, and, and Rhea and Priest, you know, I'd say Dom and Rhea have, have the most upside, but, um, you know, Priest is going to have a big moment here and Balor being kind of the the peak of what he could be potentially in WWE. Obviously he was a champion for one day because he got injured, but like, this is the peak of what a guy of his age and, and size, you know, kind of the AJ styles type yeah. run where you're being utilized a lot and being a multiple time challenger could win a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's just all of them peaking there, you know, minus the booking of all of them beating up Seth Rollins at the end of Monday and, and, and priest not cashing in kind of doing dumb heel logic to I would cash in right there if I were him. But, you know, it's an interesting story of like the potential of, you know, and, and we were talking about um, Darby being transitional champion. I'm not saying Seth Rollins is a transitional champion, but of like all the big guys in WWE history, he feels the most kind of like a transitional champion with every run minus the, the architect run. But like 
the the juicy tidbit here. I know I didn't really even answer your question, but um, like if Balor wins, beats Seth, and then Priest immediately turns on him and pins him, like that is some juicy, juicy stuff to happen. And like the implosion of Judgment Day um, feels like it's coming up, and then Dom, Dom, and, and Rhea can do their own thing, and they can have a feud in some way, shape, or form. Does that make Finn a babyface? I don't know, but there's a lot of options here, just like the Bloodline, where. I don't know exactly where it's going. It's the opposite I'm feeling when I'm watching it as, you know, we talked about the MJF and Cole. And I think that's right. just good storytelling when there's a couple of options and they all feel valid for the characters that are presented in front of me. And, you know, like with Cole and MJF, there feels like one path here that makes sense or else one of their characters has not been true to their character. And there's not been really any reason for why it happened any other way than what we think is going to happen. So yeah, I've liked it. And it's it's pretty crazy that that group of four people is is holding down raw on a regular basis. It is it is crazy. I mean, and I think like you're you're the fact that they play off each other the way they do. I think is my yeah. is kind of my favorite part of the whole thing because you've got obviously you've got Rhea Ripley and Dom doing their thing, but Ripley also has you know a dynamic with Finn and a dynamic with Priest and Priest and Finn have their thing going on and like Finn and priest are like big brother to to dom and so it all it all just kind of clicks and it all it all just works it's not something that i think is going to last for five years you know in in wwe Mm -hmm. but for right now i mean i think that they're treating the faction the way it should be treated given the reactions that they get which is hey you know hold down the fort until 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 you can't anymore um and i think that's 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 the right call we've got a uh a uh, super chat on this topic from um, from Zach. Zach, thank you so much. We do appreciate it, sir. Um, I appreciate it very much. So he says, I've been trying to come up with a parallel for Dom, a heel, with such limited in-ring skill that actually has a title. Most joke champions are baby faces, i.e. Santino. Yeah, um, Dom is, is it's, a, it's tough to find, you know, that that parallel <laughs> right now, because I think he's, he's, and I've said this a lot, you know, in writing and, and on podcasts, it's just, he's kind of in a unique situation. I, I feel like he's um, hook of late 2021 in that he's a guy getting reactions that maybe he's not exactly ready for, but that the company that's promoting him is going with rather than, hiding from and you know you there's there's pluses and minuses to both you know and 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 they wwe has decided hey we're going we're going with Don. we're leaning into these reactions and AEW with hook we're like okay he's not ready for this we're not putting him in a match against cody rhodes yet it's just it's not time for that so as far as a parallel for a heel act man tyler I'm having trouble thinking of, of a good one, like where there's like this heel joke champion. And I think, and Zach, you're not going to like this. You are not going to like this comment, but I don't think that he is a joke champion. I think he's just, he's a heel. He's a WWE heel champion right now, North American champion, which is like, I mean, let's be real with this. This is not like the Intercontinental title. This is not the United States title. This is this is the NXT North American title. So this is not anything, you know, significant. But I, I think that they 
you know, they see this as, okay, here's, something just came to me. Do you remember back in like 2000, I think it was 2000, when Stephanie McMahon won the women's championship? Like she won the women's championship right before like WrestleMania that year. I forget, I think it was 2001, 99 into 2000. And this to me is like that, where like, She's not like championship material per se, but she just gets so much damn heat that putting a championship on her like doesn't hurt anything because you're going to like somebody's going to beat her at some point. And when that person beats Mm -hmm. her, in this case, the Stephanie case, it was Lita. That is a memorable moment that made Lita for the rest of her her entire career now. Dominic and Stephanie McMahon are not the same. I understand that. Um, but to me, that's what WWE is going for here. I don't think this is not like our truth run around with the 24-7 title. Like this is, hey, we want there to be some equity in this guy. And he gets a, a big heel reaction. People are coming out to the arenas to see him for whatever reason. And so let's get something out of this. Let's have Wesley beat him later on or, or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. So um, that – that's what that's that's my take. I think I, it's hard to come up with an example because I don't think it's apples to oranges. I'm gonna throw out another um, um, super chat comment from Zach here, pushing back on mine. Zach, I do appreciate it. Disrespect to Hook. The disrespect to Hook. Hook would eat Don for breakfast. He might. He might. But you know, Tony Khan didn't go with Hook when he had the when he had the chance. Tyler, what do you make? Yeah. What do you make of this one? Yeah, I mean, so reading Zach's, which you popped up here on the screen again for the podcast, I'll read it again, you know, talking about Dom, a heel with limited entering skill that actually has a title. The first name that came up to me, because, you know, he then said joke champions, that's Zach. Um, I was thinking limited entering skill that actually had a title, and I could not think of anyone but Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Uh, was someone that oh, could not wrestle and got a lot of heat. And uh, you know, was a champion multiple times over. So I'm not oh, saying wow. that Dom is 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 Hollywood Hogan, but um, they both got hold a lot on, of hold on, hold on. Not, Are we comparing Dom to Hollywood Hulk Hogan here? I just want to make sure I mean, that we for, know what we're doing. In ring, Dom would run circles around Hollywood That's Hulk true. Hogan. I think we can all agree with that. So I, I mean, might run run circles around to Hollywood. Yeah, Hogan. I'd love to see Hogan in the '90s try and do a six one nine. He would probably tear something. So. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the other name that came to me in WWE way is, you know, Miz, right? They, they kind of, especially when he, what, WrestleMania 27, when he's champion, yeah, and he's yeah, really just yep. a vessel to set up Rock and John Cena for the next two years. Um, it was someone who was a joke, won in jokey ways. I mean, well, he beat Orton. I can't remember how he did it, but I know he didn't win straight up. Was it with Alex Riley? It was a him? cash in. He cashed in money in the bank. A cash in. Okay. So, you know, a little different, but like, you know, Dom and The Miz, I think Dom gets more heat than The Miz ever did. And Miz was, you know, always had some star potential and sold merch and whatnot. But um, I think that would be a good comparison for the upside of Dom is like, hey, if you can use him as much as WWE has used Miz for good or for bad, I think it's there. And, you know, just the fact that, you know, I hate to, you know, you know, Zach has been in the super chat, but, you know, Dom got you so you know so it's so you know you're so against him that you know you're exactly what wwe if, if someone from wwe's on this 
live cast or watching it, you know, afterwards on YouTube, that's exactly what they want to see. Is someone so upset that Dom is being talked about this way that they're commenting? So, you know, I think that's what they're looking for. And he just draws so much emotion out of all of us in the, in all of our own way. So, when so I think he's better than Miz, better than, better than, than Stephanie, your example. So I think he's doing it way better. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. No, I was just going to say when WWE watches the, the stream, you know, tomorrow. For sure. When Vince pulls it up, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the one guy in the suit that is their PR guy, their the, the social media guy. I don't, I don't know his yeah. name, but um, yeah. shout, out, shout out to that guy. Shout out to that dude who watches our show. <laughs> we appreciate you. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's an interest. I, I, you know, it's a fascinating group to watch because they are very much the um, the whole is better than the parts for sure. And um, you know, they're all over the show. And and I and I mm-hmm. thought it it made for a fun show last night. As you mentioned, nothing groundbreaking, but to the point, effective, and you know, uh, entertaining to watch. Um, we've got. Well, we're going to finish with the bloodline. We'll end there. But before we go there, Cody and Brock Lesnar. Cody versus Brock mm-hmm. three, SummerSlam. We've gotten two weeks now of Cody promos, uh, kind of back to back. Man, I watch these promos, and I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. I'm like, okay, when's it going to happen? When's he going to take a misstep here? When's he going to take a misstep there? You know, it, you know, it, cause I don't know. It just seemed like inevitable. Um, but dude, like he is cutting babyface promos that I like as a wrestling fan, as a wrestling analyst. I mean, last night he, as you mentioned, did not reinvent the wheel. Like he did not like create a n- new way to present, you know, a babyface promo, but he sold himself. He put over Brock Lesnar. He sold what it meant to what it's going to mean to him to beat Brock Lesnar. He had paid, you know, an homage to his family and his father. And he talked about his history in, in wrestling. And he sold the match to SummerSlam and told the world what he's going to do. I mean, that that's a pro wrestling promo, you know? I mean, it's it's not meta. It's not like, you know, some kind of deep rooted thing that's going to make you go, Oh, or anything like that. But man, I mean, it kept, it hyped up, you know, a match. And I think it's really, it's important to see Cody do these things. You know, if he's got a match with Roman Reigns down the road, WrestleMania, I, you know, we'll talk about the bloodline in a minute here, but you know, if that's coming, you know, he's got to be able to deliver, you know, in this role. And I, I think the last two weeks, the content of the promo stood out as effective, but the crowd was there with it too. And I think that's telling Um, I'm high on what he's doing right now. What say you? Yeah. I mean, first of all, he's over as a baby face has been ever since, you know, coming to WWE, especially coming back from injury. Um, So that helps to do a, a vanilla, but I don't say that in a negative context promo, right? It's a down the middle wins and losses matter and it, to me within WWE is kind of the way I interpret the promo from from last night it's it's you know and that's not really been the MO of WWE wrestlers ever is that wins and losses matter unless it's for a title I mean it is but they never say it explicitly and that's as as explicit as you're going to get within the context of WWE of why it's important to him why this is it and he's moving on after this you know that's I think meta in 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 the wrestling way but it makes sense for the viewers that um so it's it's like him working within that system and you know just him working within 
the WWE writing system, keeping him on rails. And that's always when the problem was in, in AEW. I mean, there's countless spots, you know, the, you know, minor ones to the most egregious, which is the fire table spot for absolutely no reason that we don't need to relitigate. But like, this is the opposite of that, right? This is a slow measured story of, mm-hmm. of what's going on there. And, and, you know, next week I'm hoping that it's not Brock Lesnar and him with the diagonal line of security guards separating them. And then they have a brawl before the Lesnar match, right? That's like kind of what we always get with Lesnar. And that yeah. works with Bobby Lashley's and Drew McIntyre's and stuff like that. But, you know, if I don't get anything from them, but maybe a video next week, I think that's totally fine. And I'm ready to go for this match as it is. And, you know, Cody saying why it's important to him and then him moving on. It feels like him, you know, was reset on the, the pyramid and climbing up it after WrestleMania. Now he's climbing his way back up with bigger opponents. And it's the right down the middle way to book someone like him. But he is charismatic and he still feels like, you know, if that matches, you know, on that card, it's probably the third most important match. We have two world titles for the, on the men's side. And then probably his match with Brock, and obviously Brock's a big deal. But yeah, I mean that's Cody carrying it and doing it in a old-fashioned way, which I think is is positive in him just staying right where he needs to be. Because this this the show is not about him at this moment, but he's a shining beacon of hey, I'm a top guy still. Um, kind of not what CM Punk is doing on Collision. If I had to compare that, I think what right. CM Punk that would be ideal for what Punk is doing right now with Ricky Starks is what. Cody's doing so not you know it's, it's apples and tire irons I guess it's not even cl- really close to what they're trying to do but Cody feels like much more of a draw on Mondays than Punk does on Saturdays for me personally at the moment um, yeah I, I, think, I think that's also- totally true yeah I mean I think that's on point it's like yeah Cody's uh not in the title picture right now but he's working in a championship level program on the show and and yeah, I don't you can't you can't make the same argument for CM Punk. Right now. I mean Ricky Starks just mm-hmm. isn't just isn't that guy, you know. I mean, you know, maybe someday, but but not yet. Um, I'm with you on Cody. I think that um you know we'll, we'll do a full SummerSlam preview next week here on the show. Um so we won't get too much into this, but um it's important for him to have a strong showing against Brock. Uh and I think all all signs point to Brock doing business here, uh, you know at this show it's 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 time to do that and so um but so far so good you know i mean again i mm-hmm. i just i don't know about you but i keep like i just i watch for missteps i'm like oh is that a misstep is that a misstep mm-hmm. and i and i at this point it's like i'm just being silly because like i don't know that he's gonna have him and he's protected with the writing team and he's protected with you know lots of people that you know are keeping the narrative on on track so there's no more baby reveals um or gender reveal parties for his baby and so yeah. like you know maybe you know it's he was his own worst enemy in AEW, i think um and he doesn't have that here mm-hmm. all right bloodline the bloodlines in shambles man since the last time we <laughs> we we yeah. talked and did a show <laughs> um i i mean i continue to just really enjoy like the the you know it just enjoy what they're doing. Like, I, I, I think it's, you know, a broken record at this point to crack the mic each and every single week and talk about how great, you know, the story is because we, we know that at this point, I mean, it is top of the line premier level stuff that, that WWE is going to do in my eyes. Um, 
but they've got a really interesting, you know, scenario coming to a head at, at SummerSlam with Jey Uso taking on Roman Reigns, title on the line, tribal combat, you know, the, the head of the table, tribal chief is up for grabs. Um, wh- you don't have to make any predictions right now. You know, you don't okay. have to make any predictions. We have a super chat about this that I'm going to get to in a second. Um, but, you know, has Jay Uso in particular shown you enough the last three weeks where your opinion may have changed as to, okay, he's the guy that, can and should beat Roman Reigns at this point. Because he's so you showing, know I don't know if you're predicting that or not, but has he put enough out there on the table that makes you go, okay, I, I'm i more on board for this than I was maybe a month ago or two months ago. Mm-hmm. So for anyone, especially on the podcast side, so I thank you for listening. But if you haven't, you know, I guess we're reintroducing ourselves to, to a lot of you or, or yes. saying hi for the first time. So I love to compare current... AEW and WWE people I've already done a couple times with with Punk and um, and Cody and to me I'm gonna do it again here I think that Jay Uso to me feels a lot like Hangman Page when he felt destined to beat Kenny for you know reasons but you know obviously this is more earned from the story that they're telling within WWE but in AEW there was that story of like yeah he's destined to beat Kenny for XYZ reasons. This is the story. It's been going on even before AEW and AEW did not do a great job telling that story, but it felt like it was set in stone that this is going to happen. And, you know, was that good for Adam page to be world champion? Of course, you're never not going to want to be world champion, but I think no one's saying no to that. that, Yeah. I think WWE knows that the story probably would have been better if Kenny beat page and subverted your expectations. Right. Um, and that's the way WWE would have done it, and then rebuilt that rematch for a, a later date. And it feels way more important that pa- that Paige beats Kenny before Kenny goes face and they become friends again, right? So, and just on predictions, I, I won't do it here, but you know, just think to yourself, everybody, we've been here twice already this year. Of certainly, it's person X, person Y. Now we're on person C, who certainly has to walk out of there beating Roman Reigns. We've all seen the TikToks and the reels of. You know, people, it's like, oh, when I'm at the nursing home and the nurse walks in and it's Roman Reigns and they pins me <laughs> one, two, three, and then the Roman Reigns music hits and the guy's like, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of Thanos inevitable. It would be my, my take right now. We still have two SmackDowns to go to kind of change my opinion. But um, I think that there are a lot of people, and Zach obviously being one who brought it up, and I think you'll read that here in a second. But, um, I think just the 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 swelling of support of hey this is how it started this is how it ends this feels like a beautiful moment to happen doesn't feel like it's going to be the the story we all want to see at this point, um, but you know I'm very open to it happening I just don't think it's going to happen right now so you know what do you think or if you want to read Zach's super chat yeah Zach thank you uh, once again for for contributing we we very much appreciate it man it helps us out a ton um, thank you so much. And Zach says emphatically, Jey Uso must beat Roman at SummerSlam. He was the beginning of the story. He needs to be the end. That certainly is the argument to make. You know, if if mm-hmm. um, you know that that this thing is going to go full, full circle, Jey Uso's the guy to to beat him. And I, I, I you know, 
I don't argue with that sentiment at this point. We got a couple weeks left to go, or we have two two SmackDowns mm-hmm. left to go, so we'll have to see. Thank you very much, Zach, for that. Um, I to answer my own question, and Zach, I'm going to address yours in a minute. I I think Jay, you know, I think he has shown some range here the last couple weeks where, you know, you could you could go with him beating Roman Reigns and. It wouldn't it wouldn't seem out of place. Like I can ima- envision, you know, a scenario where Jay is cutting a promo with the belt, you know, on the SmackDown after SummerSlam, you know, talking about the win and 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 just kind of having having that moment. And I look, I wouldn't, I could not say that a month ago. Like I I, I just didn't functionally see Jay like in that position as a singles guy. Like he just seemed like. You know, he's part of the bloodline and he's a key part of that story. And but he's with Jimmy and, and he's got the thing going on with Sammy and, and he's he's a background player. And I think now that he's been on the forefront of this again, I think he has popped, you know, off the screen and I think he has delivered. I think his promos have been good. Um, but so so to answer my question, yes, I think he's done enough to like consider, OK, maybe this can this can happen. Um and it would be fun to see. Like, I'm certainly mm-hmm. not arguing that. On that night at SummerSlam, Ford Field, Tyler, you're going to be in the building. Like, it's that would be incredible. Like, you would remember that as a wrestling fan for forever. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, you put the, the background pieces together and the business together. And the fact that Jay has a pinfall over Roman Reigns, like, you know, a month ago. I just... I don't, I just don't see it, Zach. Like, I just, I don't know what the next chapter is going to be here, but I don't get the sense that they're just wrapping up the bloodline and then that's it. Jay's the champion. Roman moves on. Jay's the tribal chief. And, and then the whole thing just goes away. I I just don't have that feeling at this point in time. So um, it's interesting because I don't know what's going to happen. And I think, you know, there's enough, there's an element there of Jay being over enough and popular enough and the story being hot enough where when the match is going on, I think they're going to get you to buy that Jay can win this thing and is going to win this mm-hmm. thing. Um, but in the end, I think Roman stands tall and, and, uh, and, and we, and, you know, and, and, and the story continues on. So, that's my take at this point in time. Again, we got two SmackDowns. We'll do our preview show next week, but I, the story continues to be wonderful. Um, it's a reason to watch SmackDown. Lots of people are watching SmackDown on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, so it's, it'll be interesting to see the, um, how they, how they play it out. Um, yeah. And if I, if I'm Jay Uso, the, the person and the character, right. I mean, the pinfall of a Roman, you know, if Roman beats him at SummerSlam, you know, you each have a pinfall. And then down the line, maybe let's say after Roman loses that title to somebody, then you have a, you know, a rubber match that is, you know, for the, the to be the tribal chief, right? That's the what the match is built around. And that feels like a good finale point. And yeah, was he not champion? If he does that, no, but you can build to that. Because, you know, the, the problem with it is if Jay wins what is the next pay-per-view or what's the next, what's, what's happening at the Royal Rumble, right? Is he still the champion? Is it just Roman getting a rematch or is it, right? you know, is it, is it Guther? Like, does that feel 
like on the trajectory of what WWE is doing right now? Probably not. It feels like, you know, you get through Mania as a, from a Jay Uso perspective, right? Um, you get through Mania, and then you you have him beat Roman to become the Tribal Chief, or you have him and Solo battle it out, whatever it's going to be. And then you build Jay up to that point where, yeah, he's gone to this battle. He ultimately did beat Roman um, in his own way, and now he's a top guy. Feels like a more long-term way to build up a guy like Jay, who, you know, is 37, which is not old by any stretch of the imagination. I think LA Knight should have an opportunity, too, and he's 40, 41. So, you know, yeah. that's the new 30 in wrestling. So I think there's lots of runway for, for Jay Uso still at this point. And I would be thinking if I were him long-term, what's better for me as opposed to having a awesome moment and then having kind of a Kofi run that is remembered for being an awesome moment. And then a really not beloved ending to the run. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather have, yeah, I would, I'd rather have that long-term run of eventually being the one that did beat Roman in the end twice you know, if Cody pins him at WrestleMania, he's only pinned him once and Jay would have pinned him twice at the end of the story. So I think that is another way to tell the story too between Cody and Jay if you get to that point as well. So I think yeah. there's a lot there that could keep going for a long time between them after this as well. I mean, yeah, if you're Jay Uso and you're looking at like look like the 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 business of this, this goes back mm-hmm. to like, you know, the eighties where it's like I'm a heel. Do I want to be champion or do I just want to work with Hulk Hogan? You know, like, you know, it's an easy call back then, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, and I Mm -hmm. think a lot of it, like, it's not exactly the same because it's a different business right now. And, you know, obviously things are different, but you know, when Jay's working with Roman, that's, that's the best Jay we've seen. And that is the Jay with the most depth and that's the Jay with the most intrigue. And so, you know, if you're him, that's the Jay that's selling more shirts than ever before. I mean, like, you know, I mean, God, how many, I've seen like at least 10 different bloodline shirts for Jay that probably have all Mm -hmm. sold thousands upon thousands. So, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's in a great spot uh, right now. And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't think, you know, winning, at SummerSlam is a necessity, and we'll see what they do this week, you know. Um, but uh, more on that, more on that next week. Tyler, we'll wrap it up right there, man. There you go. Uh, cool. A blast as usual. Um, to everybody who joined us live here on YouTube, thank you. To everybody who downloaded our show um, after the fact, thank you. We will be back next week, same time, same place, right here, Tuesday night, 9 Eastern, 8 Central, uh, right on the SC Scoops YouTube channel. To all of our Super Chat uh, contributors, thank you very much. It helps us dearly keep the show afloat. Um, and uh, so we can keep doing this on a week to week basis. We very much appreciate it. So Zach and Michael, thank you for that. Thank you to everybody who uh, jumped in. Oh, wait, we had a la- one, one, one late straggler here. Zach's jumping in here at the end. I want to make sure to, to get to this. Mm-hmm. Zach, you're going to finish us off. Wait a minute. The logical conclusion of the story is Jay winning. Cody be damned. Finish this story. Jay doesn't <laughs> have to be champion for a year. Well, Zach, I mean, like I said, you know, it's not like they've told a good enough story at this point where that's not going to be an impossibility when I'm watching that match. When I'm watching that match, I'm going to be like, wow, like they, they, they certainly can pull the trigger here. They, and it's not really it's not a Cody thing. Like, I'm not really necessarily even saying Jay can't win because Cody needs to. It's just, is this the best thing for Jay right now? Is it the best thing for Roman right now? 
that's where you know I'm still I'm still debating like what you know what that looks like. But <laughs> finish this story. I think I think Zach, you mm-hmm. got yourself a, a t-shirt there, my friend. Yeah, I, I think so too. A, a pro wrestling tease or something like that. Um, yeah. Thank you for the conversation. I, Go ahead. I, if I can get like thirty seconds on that, that's kind of what I was trying to do with my you know story for for Jay here and. You know, if you think back in WWE history, some of the biggest matches of all time are not for the world title, right? Just think of, you know, a couple off the top. You've got like, you know, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at at 26. You've got, you know, Lesnar beating the Undertaker. I know there's just two Undertaker ones off the top of the head, but there are, you can make a list of, you know, I don't know if it's correct or not, but, you know, the Hell in the Cell match, I guess I'm only on an Undertaker thing right here because he was like so, watching undertaker matches no i don't know i was just thinking because he was so infrequently champion that it's easy to go with him right he has so many yeah, like, no, matches good. not being champion but like if you look and, and did like a list of hey top 10 tight world title matches and top 10 non-world title matches i think the non-world title matches would be more iconic of that list um off the top maybe that's a fun article to do at some point but you know i think for jay like he could have more iconic wins by the by defeating roman finishing his story and then, yeah, Cody would have won, but in, you know, when you, when in 10 years, when people are doing retrospective, like, Hey, let's watch all the bloodline segments put together. Right. That's going to be way more iconic and memorable than Cody, maybe winning at WrestleMania, what have you. So I think in the long run, Jay could, if he wins cool, like, I think you and I are both very down for that. And that'd be an awesome yep. moment. And it feels like, like you, that is a really good way to tell the story, but I think long-term, the, the bigger story is is Jay getting it in his own way, and uh, you know maybe then defeating Cody after the fact and then being the ultimate champion in the end of this whole story if you look at it that way. So yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, now we'll wrap up. Zach, thank <laughs> you very much for the country. Should be appreciated. Thanks to our super chatters. Thanks to everybody who tuned in live on YouTube and who has downloaded the show later. If you haven't subscribed to the SC Scoops YouTube channel, please do uh, hit subscribe, hit the notification button. We've got. Really great stuff uh, on the channel right now. We've got an awesome interview with Samoa Joe that went up last week. Meta must see for sure. Um, Countless other different interviews by a a really talented team. So check that stuff out. Subscribe. We'll be back here Tuesday night next week live. Um, Until then, we'll catch you guys all next time. Tyler, thank you. Thank you.